Hi, I'm Pamela Pims, host of the Good of the Hive podcast, sharing stories from the road about art activist Matt Willey as he paints 50,000 bees in murals and installations around the world. Tell me a story, Pam. Once upon a time, there was a boy and a bee. <laughs> I love this story. Keep going. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Hi, Pam. What's going on? What's going on here in Narrowsburg? Well, I think it's a lot. <laughs> like, Go on. I, yeah, it's just been a lot lately. You know, I was thinking about this. I knew we had a podcast this morning and I was like, okay, so much has happened in the last 36 hours that I'm like, and not earth shattering things. It's all good stuff. Business as usual is moving forward. There's things happening, but, but not even in that way. It was more like in me, in my mind there was just this, some things that came up for me that, um, how do I put this? Like, I just saw some things, like, I don't want to talk about really heavy things, but like, one of the things that informed this week was one degree of separation, not close people to me, but like four, one degree of separation deaths happened this week, which is just a heavy energy every time, you know, it was someone I knew from high school. It wasn't a great friend of mine from high school, but then someone in our town here in Narrowsburg passed who I'd only met like once or twice, but he was really young. Um, Mm. And just these, these two others after that, that like, I think it's just putting me in my head a little bit. It also makes me on one level feel just grateful for today, you know, the way that death always does. But it also got me thinking, what am I doing and what am I worrying about? And what's slowing things down that I really shouldn't be worrying about? Death has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's powerful, and it's been affecting my dreams and my sleep. And, you know, I do this thing lately where I go and lay out, uh, I call it star bathing, because when it's clear sky up here, you could read a book with the moon and the stars outside in the snow, because all of the white. I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> I like to it's do that. Lovely, right? And, yeah. And I've been laying out there just like... Very much in a not in a bad way, because I think winter is for this, like the bees hibernating, we all go inward, you know, I've been very internal, because so much of the good of the hive is about expression and what's happening out there in the world, how are we creating change? How are we touching other people's minds and hearts about the environment and all of that. And this week was like, in my head and in me, you know, even though I literally was like a machine yesterday (laughs) with like emails and correspondence and like things people needed and things happening today that like are really great and very external and activism related. But for me, I was like, what do I want to talk about today? And I, I got in my head at one point this week thinking about what is good, like that part of 
the good of the hive, the what is good? You know, there's... Good question. Yeah. I just had a lot of thoughts about it because as an artist, it's not about um, judging anybody. Like they're, especially for the good of the hive, the intention of this movement, idea, project, from the get-go was trying to find, well, not trying to find, but having been touched by this one creature that is everyone's. Like it's everyone's because it's responsible for creating the food, but even it's like connectedness of pollination and the bee isn't anyone's specifically. It isn't a group of people's creature, you know? So Mm -hmm. in that way, like how would you define the idea of the good of the hive in that for that aspect of it? What is good for the hive? Because we live in this world where there's people on two sides of a lot of things right now and both believe they're on the good side. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, how do you look at that? Like, you know, how do you walk confidently forward knowing there's somebody on the other side that maybe doesn't believe the same thing as you, but they believe that what they're doing is right and good? Right. Doesn't make them a bad person. Just Yeah. The, but the difference in thinking is so radical, you know, on certain subjects. How, how do you walk through that? Tell me. Yeah. And it's not even about, like, the one thing that came up for me was that it's not... It's not good as opposed to bad. It's like good in the in the realm of art. You know, how do we like the idea of the good of the hive going forward with this? And I've said this many times, but people project on that I'm doing good in quotations. Like, <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, I'm not the goodest person on the planet. You know, <laughs> like I've talked about being in recovery, and I'm going to be talking about that more in the future. But I was an alcoholic and an addict for a lot of years. So how do we define that? You know, I created some wreckage, thankfully nothing permanently tragic um, to myself or others, but there was a lot of meanness in there. There was a lot of pain I caused, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how do we look at the idea of the good of the good part of the good of the hive, just that word, like what is good for the hive? Is it exploration? Is it curiosity? Is it making art about it so people can make their own choices? And then we get to the 51% that that decides to go a direction, you know, that true democracy. Right. You know, that that's what I think this is about. Um, and it's like gotten, as the good of the hive expands and grows, that's what I really want people to, to experience with, with the work. It's just strange. I've just been in my head lately about like articles come out and my story gets told in 27 different ways in 27 different places in different countries. And, you know, I can't manage that. It's all getting beyond what I could control as a story other than the film and what I'm telling and, and how I want that to move forward. But it's, it's really so much about creating that container as an artist or a vehicle. I often talk about the good of the hive being a vehicle, 
you know, um, and then what we discover in the process of doing a mural and having talks and bringing people into ex to different experiences with it. It's what we leave behind that matters in that, you know, it's what we're doing at the time, but and the, the, the sparks of curiosity we're creating, but also what we leave behind in the minds of a little kid or a teenager or a Gen Zer, like, are they inspired? Are they now curious about this planet a little more than they were before? And it's the wonderful thing you can do with art. Exactly. And it's the real service part of this. There's a very tricky thing about being an artist and going into a position of making your art about service in any way. Mm-hmm. It really, like, we didn't talk about that in art school. Not when I went. You know, it was, it was not what you do. You are a lesser artist in a lot of realms if your art is designed to be of service. The weird thing about The Good of the Hive is that this is pure for me. It's not being designed or over-calculated. Like, everything in my perception of what I'm doing, I'm looking at the this podcast as part of the art i'm looking at the film as part of the art i'm looking at even writing a contract for somebody that i need to go into an agreement with about a project well that is part of the the art of it you know it's how am i like walking in with this idea before we even paint a bee before we're even really talking about pollination or pushing those issues out there how are we connecting in a different way that pushes a boundary a little bit the whole idea is that we are always trying to put in place order over chaos right so order becomes what is good but sometimes a little bit of that chaos is good too you know like you really have been thinking, no, this is, this is good. Go. <laughs> Go I don't know. If it's, you know, everybody's going to be like, what the heck happened today? <laughs> have another cup of coffee. But, um, but it's that container to look at it. Do you know what I mean? That's the bee to me. That is the parallel of the bee to the art to the good of the hive because we don't have many of them. There's a heck of a lot of lines in the sand and People are on one side or the other, and that is defining you. But removing that, that or blurring that line a bit mm -hmm. is where the art comes in. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Because it, it, the art is what is capable of blurring that line enough for people to at least reach a hand over it, you know, or an idea across it or something like Instead of just your entire identity being on one side or the other. Yeah. Because that is just not nature. That's not the planet we live on. That's not humans. It's nothing is that defined. Well, especially in terms of looking at it as bad or good, maybe you just look at it as neither bad nor good, just different. Yeah. And the definition of the word good being like, like more in the question aspect, what is good? That's what I'm. I'm aiming at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it got me thinking about something that um, my old business partner, Joy, uh, came up with when we used to do the work with Homer's Odyssey and Greek mythology. She came up with this word called mythebrity. Mm -hmm. And it was like back in the day when there was, you know, 12 Olympian gods as opposed to like the 
the singular um, God we look at in culture mostly today. Mm-hmm. The they were super fallible and imperfect. Like Zeus was always cheating on Hera, and Hera was always pissed off and like taking revenge on him. And you know there was like sneaky stuff. There were human traits to these gods, although they were all powerful, and you didn't screw with them. But the stories of mythology allowed for that imperfection when a human was looking out. You know, it allowed them to see uh, the gods not even being perfect. So it took a little of the pressure off having to be perfect as a human. I love that. You know? Yeah, that's very cool. I'm not sure I knew that. Yeah, and but what the way that it's outpictured now is all you have to do is stand in line at the grocery store. So we put these these people on pedestals almost seemingly so that we can knock them off and see how imperfect they are. Nobody, it's so rare. And the, 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 the amount of magazine covers on the grocery store aisle that talk about and celebrate the amazing life of like one of these people as opposed to, usually that's only after they, they're dead. Yeah. Before that, it's like they're getting divorced <laughs> Their child was arrested. They, you know, like got drunk and hit somebody. Like people are craving that because we're so tired from trying to be perfect and it's so painful to try and be perfect. You know, I think that that need to see the not good. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the keys to success going forward is really honoring the not good in yourself because all of the blame and the judgment of people that's been coming up a lot for me it's like you know i'm a recovering perfectionist i'm a recovering workaholic i'm a recovering addict and that process of my own mind judging myself that i am not good that i do not deserve whatever is coming my way so just like and trying to find the place to be like truly humble but also be like psyched because some magazine in Italy just wanted to do a story about me. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> do we need to be in person for that? <laughs> we are going to Italy, Pam. Oh, good. We are. And um, <laughs> yes, that's happening. But anyway, the but that balance of like, of feeling good about what I do, but not what is too big for the britches and what, what's comfortable for one person isn't going to be comfortable for another. Mm-hmm. Some people just, you know, I'm a, I am not a person who can successfully be self-deprecating and have that be my in to humility, the way some super wealthy, famous person might make fun of themselves. I'm not good at that. Mm-hmm. I'm like a waspy New England guy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of goofy and weird, I think, um, which is part of my charm, maybe, but I'm not gonna make fun of myself. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Well, so like, it's a strange thing, like, as all of this changes, like, is good. I agree. I'd like to get back to to the judgmental part of ourselves, because obviously, it's not good. And yet we all do it. We judge our own selves. We judge others. We don't want to. How, how do we prevent that from happening? I don't think we prevent it. Okay. I really don't. I think we see it. My friend Athena has a brilliant 
way of looking at the world. When something like that is happening, she'll actually watch the statement float in front of her face. And then she'll say to herself, oh, well, that's interesting information. She takes all the emotion out of it. And then it just decides whether that's going to come in or not. Like healthy narcissism is a, a good thing. That's so we don't walk out the door with giant boogers hanging out of our nose. We look <laughs> in the mirror and we, you know, there's, there's things like we're dressing respectfully to something that, you know, if you're at a funeral and you're, you're thinking about the person whose spouse has just died, how do you like make yourself recede a little bit, but interject some, some healing, you know, you're not going to be like, wow, this is where I like bring my rock star guitar. Unless of course that's called for, but like, we find our way to enter scenarios and we need a little bit of self-evaluation. That's mm -hmm. the difference as opposed to judgment. But so often it leaps into judgment of I'm not going to do this right nowadays. The perfectionism takes over on a lot of that. And it's, it, I see it over and over again. Um, social media does not help at all in that realm. Um, but I, you know, even for me, I've changed the way I behave in relation to my social media, but it's had to be a practice. And I think if I was a 16-year-old girl, there's no way I could do what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I was so raw when I first started getting a little bit of a following on the good of the hive. I was like, everything I put out, I felt like I was offending somebody and I, I couldn't make sense of why I was feeling that way, mm. except that I'm exposing myself and, and, the idea is to walk into those kinds of things. It's like any relationship. If you're falling in love, you know, there people talk about the love bombing now. Like people get like swept up like it's a movie happening. And in three days, they're practically engaged. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's happening to a friend of mine right now. Yeah. It's like they've been love bombed and they've been waiting really a long time for this person to come along. And then they do. And they're primed for it. So, but that's not the proper way. You can be just as in love and still court and walk and like be gentle with yourself going into that process. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, you have a choice about how much you let in and what is good to let in. Easier said than done sometimes. Always easier said than done, not sometimes. But that I think is what I've just been thinking about this week. And I'm going to be bringing that into the work a little bit more in the future. You know, like, how does the art reflect that? How do I begin to bring people into that conversation? With the good of the hive, I'm trying to expand my ability to create change in terms of policy, in terms of how can the art serve to get more eyes on something. Mm -hmm. But I also want to use the art to bring people into a safer space of connection with all of these planetary health issues, which are also mental health, racism, you know, it's not just pollination and floods and ice caps, you know, it's, it's it, all a part of the whole, though, you know, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And it's in us, like, how am I, whatever's going on out there, how am I sitting with it? And being able to churn or explore that within myself to end up in a place where I feel good. You know, I don't have to feel great. I don't have to feel fantastic. 
And back to the word good. Yeah. Is that, you know, finding a way to do just a little bit more service? Is that finding a way to connect with people a little bit more with honesty? And rather than managing a presence on social media, just cultivate a few more in-person friends, you know, that like understand on that side of the, the line that, that I am a vulnerable person who is doing my best and going to make mistakes. And, what, you know, I've thought about so much. I've been deep in here this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yet I, but what you're saying, you know, it's so authentic and, and true to yourself. You're speaking for all of us. Yeah. You really are. That's the hard part is staying that, you know, staying true to yourself. It's the hard part. Yeah. And bringing it out there as an activist, I'm choosing to, I'm choosing what I bring out there Mm -hmm. to be of service or influence or change or raise awareness. And, you know, this week I was like, okay, this is, this is really where if we are all one thing, I'm only, we're all just speaking to other parts of ourself. That kind of thinking really settles down a little bit of the judgment, even if we have like a big conflict with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't need to escalate beyond what that is. If I cut my leg or I stub my toe and I'm screaming in the kitchen because I'm like hating the cabinet that I <laughs> made too low because it hits my toe because <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> and then I'm judging myself for not thinking of that. And then rather than going down that road, just be like, okay, toe, I gotcha. You're not, you know, there's no amputation of the toe needed. We're going to be okay. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, step back and think about it a minute. Right. Yeah, and just instead of like going with that you know and it's it's really like it's exciting for me uh um in one way that i think i blazed forward for so long with this work that um and it's evolved so tremendously in six years like anything has so much has changed in the last six years externally and internally but that process is bringing me to a place of wanting to share more, wanting to explore more. Like my next project, I picked a place to stay that I will be immersed in pollinator gardens because something's telling me to go back to the source of how this began and really spend some time in in a milkweed garden with the butterflies and in a mm. and I'm staying with someone who knows a lot about pollinators as a as a farmer. And so like those kinds of things, to not decide that the, the pinpoint mission of how this story began is the end. It's really about how do I stay present in it as the idea of good and bad shift and change around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of where my brain's been. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking, Pam. <laughs> Would you care to repeat that just from the beginning? No, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm following. I'm following, and I and I'm excited for what we have, especially for here in season two going forward. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've got some guests. You know, you want to bring on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited that we're we're changing this up for season two. Um, 
because I've just met so many people in the last six years that are beyond amazing and so different, just incredible people. And so I'm super excited that we're going to be bringing them on to talk about what they do. That's the next phase of The Good of the Hive, really. This film that I'm doing, which is going to be about the origin story in the first couple of episodes, it's it's you know, it's a film and a show. So like I'm aiming at the episodic series. So the, the first couple of episodes are really going to be heavy on, on me and my story and how this began. But then I want to be bringing in people, you know, right. And people at the place where I go. And I want to mirror that with the podcast and just be bringing on more and more people to talk about the good stuff. Like, you know, as we redefine or define good, what is good? Let's talk about that. You know, what's bad? I don't know. I mean, one person might think it's one thing, one person might think it's another, but how is it all for the good of the... And it's going to make for for a very interesting discussion. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Mm. Me too. Well, anything else before we go? (laughs) I don't know if I've got anything else today. I just... um, I'm diving back into a ton of work. There's so much good stuff happening, but there is this this fine line of the things that I can talk about and the things that are still manifesting that we haven't, I'm not at liberty to talk about yet. But um, well, maybe on the next one. Maybe on the next one. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you go for this one. And I'm going to leave you thinking about the good. Yeah. The good of the hive and what and the good. And and I thank you for that. It's been a great little discussion this morning. A good one. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. Sorry. <laughs> no, really, we could keep going. Have a good day, Pam. You know, like oh, All right, you what's too. a good day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm I'm gonna hang up now. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, bye. Thanks for joining me and Matt for this episode. Remember to follow Matt on his website and other social media at The Good of the Hive. 